Welcome to Hempire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homeostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones to those of researchers and medical professionals. Hempire is presented by NanoSoul Pro. Supplementation through education. NanoSoulPro.com. Hey, welcome to Hempire. It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine. I really appreciate you tuning in. As you know, I'm the author of Understanding Marijuana. I pen the High Times column. Ask Dr. Mitch, and I'm professor of psychology at the University at Albany State University of New York. We've got Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific and Gil Laredo from Nanosol Pro. Gil had a few questions about Green Scientific for Andrew Hall. Uh, thank you, Dr. Mitch. Uh, how are you doing today, Dr. Hall? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fantastic. I wanted to ask you, because we have a lot of police officers and first responders that contact Nanosol Pro, uh, basically asking us as far as, you know, how secure or how sure we are as far as our products having zero THC in them. And um, if you could explain a little bit or expand on that, how Green Scientific Lab stands above everybody else, and that's the reason why we use uh, this company, uh, as far as being able to certify our THC being THC zero in our products. Sure. So I think a lot of what the discontinuity is in the testing scape is there's a lot of different methods and apparatuses and instruments that you can use to detect this. If you notice from ours, we have a zero point, we have a one PPM or 10 PPM detection limit, which is essentially 0.001% THC. So it's very critical that the labs you guys go to has the right validating methods and ensures that they run the right calibrations and maintain their instruments to hit those levels. It's not just about buying an instrument. It's about really demonstrating the capabilities of the lab to really hit those marks and have continuous improvement on there. So beyond just the HPLC, we have other instruments called LTMSs that we use for secondary confirmation uh, on, on these products. What that allows us to do is to get down to super low levels and really confirm and scrutinize the data to ensure that the levels of either the THC or the CBD are accurate and they are not present or they are present. I see. I see. And now I have another question for you too. As far as for companies, you know, because I, I'm very sure that the consumer doesn't really know or hear about this, but uh, how do CBD companies um, choose a lab out there? I mean, there are so many. Um, like what makes Green Scientific stand out? So beyond just the testing and you think about a lab as really the testing they have instruments that can produce results, but that's really the most minor part to a, what I feel makes a laboratory operate properly. And it really comes down to your quality systems, your standardized operating procedures. And really what's critical is finding root cause analysis. So like I said, the only person in my life that's ever said I'm perfect is my mother. Um, and really why I say that is things do happen in a laboratory. So it's all about having the right quality systems to prevent erroneous data from going out, having the right double checks on these systems. And if something happens, it's not about burying it under the rug. It's about identifying this issue, why it happened, and really 
scrutinize and prevent it from ever happening again, because it's all about constantly getting better and looking at all the different products that are coming out, all the different rules that are changing and making sure you're complying to all these things to improve your laboratory. What you do see too now is since it's a new, interesting and very sexy industry, you have a lot of old, say clinical labs or other people from other industries without the right skill sets, buying these instruments, setting up labs and think they might know what they're doing properly, but don't actually understand the nuances of the industry. And really what's going on now is states are setting up systems to now accredited and licensed labs at very high, high rates. I think it was almost a $70,000 application fee for us. Um, as well as different accreditation bodies, which are ISO, ANAB, um, ASTM, ILAC, which is all traceability and quality systems. And this allows you to know that if I issued you a report that you could trace that results throughout the entire process, whether or not right or wrong, we'll be able to figure out what went wrong and prevent that from happening again. So it's really being with the right testing partner and a transparent testing partner that will communicate with you and look at what the issues are at hand. Because if it's a sampling issue, it might be on their end and you might be able to solve it and it might not be a result. So you should really look for a lab that A, knows what they're doing, two, actually cares, and three, will give you bad results, but justify why you're getting bad results. Because if you get bad results, it'll help you improve your process. So I think that's really what's important is the honesty and integrity of the industry. That's very interesting. Very interesting. But now for our listeners out there, when they see a report from various companies, obviously they're going to see various labs. What should be like the top three things that should pop out at them to let them know that it's a, a, a good lab or a decent lab or a legitimate lab? Um, I would say the green scientific lab logo. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but to be very honest, <laughs> if you're looking for ISO accreditation through PJLA, HULA, a certified third-party accreditation body, a state license number, uh, ORLAC in Oregon, something that helps create a really good quality system. So if it's just a lab report from an instrument with no accreditation bodies or any internationally recognized accreditation bodies, there's, it, you can't really trust that data. And, and that's not defendable data. Because if you look at what defendable data is to the FDA and all these other regula regulated bodies, it's that controlled chain of custody where I have every T dotted and every, uh, every T crossed and every I dotted. Wow. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how accreditation works? Sure. So ISO accreditation is an internationally recognized accreditation uh, body. So it's a quality system, uh, which dictates not only my quality manual, but ethics statements to standardize operating procedures to if there's a customer complaint, who handles it and who's the only one authorized. So in a laboratory, you don't want a business person giving you scientific interpretations. And in an ISO lab, they're not allowed to. And that's why you would always wind up coming to a scientist. So beyond all those SOPs, the really critical component is validation. So it's taking known concentrations of sample, putting them through the process, and making sure that you're reading out the right numbers. Because without that, um, you know, you're not going to get the quality data that you want. But beyond that, I really want to iterate is this is month long process of getting audited by independent contractor, not ind independent accrediting bodies, 
that go through every ounce of paperwork to make sure you're within compliance, really not doing anything sketchy. And that's really what you're looking for in a laboratory. And, and then I got to admit, I'm curious what happens when you have to sort of give a company some bad news that they've got too much THC or too much heavy metal or something like that. Um, so what I've really seen is a plagiarism shift of clients being very receptive to this because they're using this data and, and improving their process. And those are the companies that I've really seen last. Um, there's a lot of companies that are folding and, and you see that in the industry. Those are the ones that previously would bully me, swear they didn't use pesticides and not actually look into why the meadows could have come there. It might not have been from the product. It could have been from the droppers you pick. So, you know, that, that's really what I, I see going on. It's a lot of yelling um, at first, but then as a scientist, your data tells a story. So you can really kind of explain that to the clients. And normally uh, part of the courting process is why people I think like us is that we give them the good with the bad, but I double down on my data and double check on my data if it's bad results. So if we give them the bad results, we'll, we'll talk them through it and just give us a completely honest, unbiased, unopinionated uh, opinion. So, uh. And then you alluded to chromatography as one of the tests. Could you give us a little bit of a feel for how that works? Sure. It's, chromatography is the basis of all your analytical instrumentation. So essentially you prepare a sample to inject onto an instrument. And we'll just blanket it that way. Once you inject it onto the instrument, it has things called columns and different carrier gases or mobile phases, uh, which when you inject, it, you inject a mixture of compounds. But over time, these compounds separate into what I call individual bands. So when they come off the column, they'll come off as pure compounds, which will allow you to differentiate what was in the mixture to what those pure compounds are. It's a little bit hard to talk about over the phone without data and representing that, but essentially you're recording a signal over time. So if you can't separate those compounds into individual signals over time, you'll wind up getting artificial data, which is why it's really critical to choose a lab that has the right methods, validated methods that have looked at all those interferences to know that if it's a peak, and that's what our readout data is, it's only THC and it's only CBD, and it's not gonna be any of the other artifacts from who knows what else was put into that product. Wow, this is really interesting. We do have to take a break just for a second. It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine at Hempire. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific Labs, and we'll be right back. More Hempire coming up once we pay homage to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. 
Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Fostering health, well-being, and a better living. Welcome back to Hempire, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome again to Hempire. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine, and we've got Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific Labs. We're learning quite a bit about the testing of cannabis products, and it's markedly more complicated than we thought. He's given us a great feel for chromatography. I'm curious, too, if there are specific individual metals that you see most often or the ones that you test for. Can you give us a feel for the metal situation? So if you look at USP, they require CAT1, which is your cadmium, arsenic, mercury, and cadmium. Um, these main four are really what the federal government has dictated as harmful. We actually have more than just that um, in our profiles. So we actually do a test called USP233 um, and 232 which is about 23 different metals. So what's very interesting is if you look at a hemp product from say California, it would have high levels of selenium, but we already know that selenium is heavy, is contaminated in California. So depending on your region, there's going to be a multitude of metals that might come up within these products from barium to, you know, like I said, selenium and even gold I've seen inside some of these plants. So, um, at, quantifiable concentrations. Wow. I never would, I never would have guessed that. And then this notion of testing for so many metals, is there a particular reason why you'd want to have such an elaborate analysis? So depending on whether or not I believe CBD or will go down dietary supplements or pharmaceuticals, that monograph is actually based off of a pharmaceutical guideline. So the laboratory I'm getting prepared for wherever whatever metric our industry needs to hit. Plus, if you think about the plant uh, from a marijuana side, they typically pump it full of nutrients and then they have a nutrient flush at the end. So, and that has to deal with the quality, the ashiness, and probably the flavor profiles of that marijuana. So we use that as an indicator to actually see whether or not the, the nutrients have been flushed out as well. To create a better product when you talk about smokables. 
Uh, I can only imagine, and wow, that's a, a whole other uh, set of issues. And, and then I, I'm intrigued. Do you feel like the regulations are just a little too tight or is this actually important for our own safety? I mean, to be very honest, it's, it's important for consumers to know what they're getting. And it's, I think it's very important for an industry to do this array of testing because it just hits some of the testing marks that other nutrient, nutri, uh, nutraceutical and supplement manufacturers need to hit. So this is kind of putting a Band-Aid, a good broad scope Band-Aid of the testing requirements. But I think, I really feel, depending on your product type, you need to pick your testing profile based on your product type. So if people are going to do, say, tinctures out of oil, they will need to also add tests, say, peroxide levels or fatty acid content to measure the degradation of that oil. And these are additional tests that are kind of safety and product integrity standpoint um, important, but maybe not as much of a risk. So, yes, I, I believe that. I think the testing needs to be hammered down more for product types, but it's very hard to do so when you have so many products out there and everyone hasn't been accustomed to this sort of testing strategy just yet. So I think it does a good stopgap, but as the industry matures, I think you'll see more testing that's really going to show whether or not the product will actually be, say, stable for the two years or not. Not just using the same ingredients every time, these other indicators will wind up dictating that. And you allude to CBD going a couple of different directions. Could you tell us what that means? So if you look at what's going on as an industry, it had Epidolex, which has now been FDA registered. So this now makes it an active pharmaceutical ingredient and drug. Typically speaking, plant extracts are governed by something called the Shea Laws and Grass, uh, which regulates these active compounds within plants um, and botanical extracts. So what's happened with this Epidolex is it made CBD into a drug, which now has kind of caused some issues with how that laws read. And if you also look at the way the FDA with their statements this week to the U.S. House of Representatives, they are looking for safety data on CBD and once they get it, they're open to actually regulating it as a dietary supplement. So I, I think it's it's pretty critical when you when you see where things are going and where Europe, hence by that uh, novel foods application, where I really believe this industry will hit. Wow. Okay. Well, do you see it having a lot of potential in the nutraceutical world? I think it already is a nutraceutical. To be very honest, it's a dietary supplement and it has a lot of biological activity. So it's all about putting the right controls to get it down the right pathway to be regulated that way. And states are trying to push these manufacturers in that direction. And I think we will hit that. I mean, the definition of a nutraceutical is a really pharmaceutically kind of active plant extract. And we all know uh, we're in it for a reason. And clearly it has some sort of effect. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten so popular, in my opinion. From your mouth to God's ear... And then are the standards going to be different if uh, CBD does become a nutraceutical? The testing strategies will be different. So we already have federally mandated guidelines of what you're supposed to test depending on your product. So it would actually create clarity. The only problem I really do see as an industry is the people with the knowledge base of how to navigate that haven't entirely necessarily entered the market just yet. So I, but I, I've really seen that plagiarism shift. 
So I think we're going to be prepared as an industry, but it's just going to take time as uh, everyone cleans up their act and gets everything really dialed in and compliant. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're really talking about consumers and their health, you know, not just someone making a quick buck. You know, that's, that's not how I was raised. And I don't think most of us got into it for that reason. Exactly. And so it sounds like you've got to be practically an attorney as well as a chemist. We have attorneys on staff and that's what I've really figured out over time. So being a scientist, I love the lab. I love developing methods, but to really make change, it's not just the lawyers understanding it, but it's me being able to understand the laws to actually affect change. So me being able to communicate and over time talk to the lawyers to clarify it and really talk on, on their level. Um, it's a totally different language after you've been through a PhD, trust me, but I'm, I'm trying. I, I tip my hat to you, man. I can, I can only imagine some, uh, some of those difficulties. And then are there aspects of the testing that uh, are harder for, you know, the average person or the attorneys to understand? Yeah, I think there is a big issue with what this testing comes from, what its significance comes from, and why these laws were put into effect. There are some good attorneys that I really feel are trying and understanding, but it, no matter what, any business and any organization, it takes a team. So it, I think we found the right um, you know, legal attorneys that can help translate this information to be right and, and be correct and make the legislators understand and have actually have an informed decision. For me as a scientist, it's about presenting data that that's all, all I've ever been, but without being able to translate that data into something tangible to someone that very well shouldn't probably have that experience um, and understanding it, but being able to make them understand it to make the right decision, I think is really critical. I got to admit, I have felt comparable frustrations myself. We do have to just take a minute for uh, a word from our sponsors. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hempire. It's Dr. Mitch Earlywine with Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific, and we're getting a markedly better feel for how chemistry and <laughs> law work together in the testing industry. We'll be right back after this message. More Empire coming up once we pay homage to our sponsors. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line. Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. 
the National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network, learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers, and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Fostering health, well-being, and a better living. Welcome back to Empire, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, it's Dr. Mitch Earlywine at Hempire, and we're back with Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific, getting a feel for all the testing involved in CBD products. So, Dr. Hall, I'm curious, where do you sort of see the industry headed, both in testing and in products? So, I, to be very honest, I believe that you're going to have a smaller array of products. You're going to have a lot of tinctures, edibles, but not as many of the product lines that you're going to have. And that's because I think manufacturers are going to really concentrate on doing one thing, doing it well and perfecting it instead of trying to make 15,000 SKUs all at once and cover every possible niche within the market. So from a testing scape, I, I see it probably the best position because people, now that you're going into federal legalization, you know, people are liable for their products that are going out there. So I think companies are really going to be increasing their testing strategies to make sure products are good on the shelves, consumers aren't harmed and, you know, really damaged that way. And why I say that is from a manufacturing standpoint, if you think the cost of testing is expensive, you should really calculate the cost of a recall way more damaging to your reputation, as well as all the other implications and financial costs of having to bring back all those products. So I see a lot of harmonization and, it's really compliance, compliance, compliance along the entire industry. Wow. It really is more complicated than we probably would have guessed. And then the other hot topic lately is terpenes. Do you guys do that kind of testing? And can it tell us sort of how that works? Sure. Terpene testing, we have two different methods. One we run on a GCFID and one we run on a Headspace GCMS. So terpenes are just another one of the natural products that are present within the plant. And if you look at some of the papers by, say, Ethan Russo's or other, other, you know, profound authors and scientists, they believe that the mixture of chemicals, and I really believe it as a, as a natural product chemist by training, that they are way more powerful. So we're at a cusp of not only understanding the chemovar, meaning what chemistry these plants can produce, but how the, this chemistry is going to affect in these mixed ratios. Because as a, just as a consumer, just because you have a certain THC content does not dictate the effect. It's all the other enriched chemistry that's within that plant. And we really need to understand it. But now that you're getting to legalization, the right scientific communities are on board, the right research institutions are on board, and they're really being able to understand how, how this has an effect and how important it is when you're talking about formulations. I got to admit, I don't get to talk to a lot of chemists about this. And would you uh, sort of give us your own opinion about this entourage type effect? Sure. So I'm not even going to take talk about 
um, you know, cannabis in this scenario. So my PhD was in natural product chemistry. What we would do is we would isolate chemistry from different marine organisms and see how well they would perform on different oxidative stress and different cancer models. So what we would find during our isolation, we would take crude extracts that would have profound biological activity. And as you purified out individual compounds, all the biological activity would be gone. So the only thing that really can be attributed to that is that enterose and that mixture of chemistry would really dictate that effect. And we're not even talking about cannabis. We're talking about strict cellular assays that are showing cancer cells dying or protection of against antioxidants or, you know, really heart attacks and stroke is what we were looking at at that time. So beyond just cannabis, this is just the natural way of things. And if you look at regular pharmaceuticals, uh, about 60% of them originated from a plant or a marine organism at some point. So really these plants have been around Chinese medicines worked for a long time, but there's been a big disconnect between these extracts and how powerful they are in these single chemical entities. And up until the FDA's regulations on botanical based extracts, these botanical extracts didn't have a formal pathway to actually get approved by the FDA because of the complexity of these extracts, but now they do. So it's, it, I see a big plagiarism shift in the industry, you know, not just with CBD about how to help out all this Chinese medicine and all these nutraceuticals to really create a better lifestyle for everybody. Well, we did seem to evolve with these plants, so I guess I shouldn't be so surprised. And it really does sound like there's some wonderful potential for these kinds of natural products. We do have to call it quits, I'm, I'm afraid. Is there anything you just want to leave us with, Dr. Hall? No, thank you for your time. And um, I just hope everyone gets safe, compliant products in the future. That sounds great. Well, hey, it's Dr. Mitch Earlywine at Hempire. We've had Dr. Andrew Hall from Green Scientific. I really appreciate you tuning in. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.